Hey everyone, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm your host, Tom Morkus, and today I sit down with Kayla Holitz. Kayla is a professional copywriter, content creator, and brand strategist. In today's conversation, we talk about how she got her start as a freelance copywriter, how she's grown her freelancing business, and we talk about some specifics around copy itself, in particular around how to write an about page, and some other really useful tips that I think you're going to really enjoy for your website copy. But I thought what was most interesting was that our conversation takes a bit of a right turn halfway through the conversation, where we begin to discuss this idea of burnout, and how as a content creator, freelancer, entrepreneur, any type of creative, you are going to run up against some really extreme, difficult challenges and hurdles and setbacks and failures. And how do you move through that? And how do you make sure that you're actually on the right path to building something that you want to continue to do year after year and not something that's actually going to burn you out and destroy any future profit that you could make? And if only you had just started building the right kind of business. So we actually get into that, which I think is kind of a fun topic and I think you're going to like it. And I'll leave it at that. So without further ado, let's get to today's conversation. So Kayla, I want to kick it off by getting a little bit of your background, how you got into copywriting in the first place. It's typically not a path people say get a degree in. So I'm always curious about the copywriter kind of storyline. Yeah. So I think like quite a few other copywriters, I kind of got into this industry after getting a degree in um, marketing and public relations. And so I actually started at a um, PR agency right out of school and was doing a lot of copywriting, but it was specifically more so around social media. And so I was doing a lot in that realm of things and found that, you know, after working with some really top kind of fortune 500 companies and different people that had budgets, that just still make my eyes go really wide. Um, I just found that I really enjoyed working with people who are um, really passionate about what they're doing. And I found that small business owners are just so much closer to all of the projects that they are are holding and, and kind of running with. So I just decided to kind of transition and do some of the similar things I was doing at the agency, but now I just do them for clients that I really love. And so I've just kind of been running with that for the last three years. <laughs> That's awesome. And so I'm curious about where, like how you actually kind of made your first, we'll say headway into, into the space. Like, tell me about like kind of getting that first client or getting that first gig and how you've been able to kind of build that over time. Sure. So I think it's probably good to note that I actually kind of got started in this whole world of online entrepreneurship back when I was in college. So I started my first blog then and was really just uh, writing about PR because I wanted to be able to leverage it to uh, help me get a job afterwards, which it absolutely did, which I'm glad about. Uh, but I never knew going into it that there was this whole world of people who were making money online. And so I was really interested in that side of things. Um, and so when I really kind of took the leap about a year after college, I just found, okay, I'm going to do some services. I'm going to try to do a little bit of, of passive income products too. But I had a little bit more of a focus focus at first on um, social media and community building and different things around that. But the more I was doing that, the more I realized that I really wanted to spend more time behind the scenes writing than just always kind of being on consultation calls and, um, you know, on video and those sorts of things. So it was just a really fascinating way for me to be able to, to transition because all of the clients that I had, um, around kind of more of the social media consulting at the time, I kind of transitioned them more into working with them on the copywriting um, 
basis. And it was interesting because at first I thought it was going to take me a while for people to kind of know me more as the copywriting gal than just the social media gal. Um, like, cause I had been doing that since college, but it happened so organically that I think I've just really been able to amass that really great client base kind of, uh, just because I've continually been really open and transparent about why I'm, I'm making the changes in my business that I am and always being, um, you know, giving other people a behind the scenes look into my business. So what you're doing, Tom, with this podcast, I think is awesome because more business owners, uh, you know, really, it's awesome for people to be able to see a little bit of that behind the curtain look into things. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's a question I have for you in particular, because in the copywriting space, it's one of those things. I the power, well, the power of copywriting. It's like and and content. It it's well, it's there. I don't have to. I think belabor the point of the value of great copywriting. And then, of course, anytime you get into a space where it's like there's a clear value proposition behind it. You know, if you're good at what you do, it's like, well, of course, you know, this is, it's absolutely valuable for any company, anybody who's getting started. If you're just getting started, it's probably worthwhile to like learn some of those skills and attributes and, and start t trying out some of the copywriting yourself. Obviously more established businesses should hire people like you, but I'm curious on this, this end of things, because it's, it's, it's such an important, um, aspect of online marketing and, and offline, really, let's, let's, let's be honest here. How do you stand out from the crowd when there are, are lots of competitors? So there are lots of people who might claim to be a copywriter, or there might be a lot of freelancers who say who offer copywriting services. I look at your portfolio, see so you've worked with some really great companies, and how have you? you know, how do you approach that? I guess, and how how do you stand out from the the crowd basically in the copywriting space? Sure, that's such a good question. I think one of the main ways that I've been able to do that, I think it's kind of, I mean, there's a lot of prongs, I'm sure, to it, but the two that I usually say is one, um, I've always been very, very focused on building a strong personal brand. So making sure that people not necessarily just buy into my services, but buy into me first. Uh, I have seen that that has been huge because, of course, you know, I've kind of made some of those transitions. And a lot of people um, in the traditional business sense would maybe think that that's kind of putting the nail on the coffin, but really it has helped me just grow a lot of, of trust with my audience specifically. And I think people can just see that organic progression of what I've been doing. So also being able to have um, you know, copy on my own website where people are finding me a lot of times on Google through different searches. So that is showing that um, not only do I know what I'm doing for clients, but I'm also doing it for myself, <laughs> which is always really nice. And uh, yeah, just for people to be able to go to my website and feel like they kind of get to know me even before they jump on a call with me, it's just really great to be able to almost kind of be that example of what you hope somebody is going to be hiring you for. <laughs> And I'm curious when it's come to this process too, like when you work with clients, do you typically try to kind of leverage that into new referrals? How do you ensure like one success compounds and leads to more success? And then, and just a little idea of behind the scenes of how you now like actively um, get new clients and what you're doing to kind of grow that, that side of the business. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for a lot of us, you know, word of mouth referrals are super huge, um, not only from clients, but also I think one of the, actually best kind of accidental strategies that I had is that I've always been really good friends with designers and developers. I just feel like we kind of get each other on that wavelength, especially since a lot of the copywriting I do is very website focused. And so because I had so many of those existing relationships, um, I found that, you know, the more I can make my, um, you know, collaborators, 
life easier, um, whether they're a designer or a developer, the better. And so the way that I have structured some of my copywriting processes is to make their jobs so much easier with the way that I kind of create different visual layouts of copy and the way I help them with implementing it. So it kind of becomes a no brainer for them to refer, um, work over to me because they kind of know what they're going to be getting um, with me. So that has been something that I didn't necessarily think about uh, when I was first starting out. But the more I collaborated with other designers, the more I realized, oh, this is this is kind of one of my differentiators here. <laughs> yeah. And so when you work with companies, I know we were talking a little offline about this, but this idea of like brand voice and how you implement something like that. So Conceptually speaking, I understand what a brand voice is, or, or, or I guess generally speaking, maybe what it ought to be. But it's it's a much more difficult thing to take that conceptual idea and implement, or 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 make it pragmatic and practical. So, how would you define brand voice, and what are your suggestions for somebody to implement that into their content, into their website, and kind of what they're doing to to drive, you know, essentially traffic leads and sales and how much you implement the brand voice to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's such a great question. And this is kind of an area where I really like to geek out in because I love being able to work with clients and know that no specific client has the same brand voice as another. And so it's really great to take that deep dive in into it. But basically brand voice is pretty tied into, you know, your overall brand personality. And so usually when I talk about brand voice, I try to uh, separate it out into a few different categories. So it's a little bit easier for people to grasp um, what it is rather than feel like, oh, that's cool to know that it's a voice. But what does that look like? Especially if it's for a company that has, you know, a team of employees where every single person alone has has their own voice, but what does it look like from a business standpoint? So usually what I say is I like to think about brand voice as, um, you know, you can have your own kind of uh, business vocabulary. And so there are certain words that you, you know that you really enjoy and that your clients really enjoy. So it's good to have those written down as well as knowing kind of what words you avoid, um, some of the jargon maybe that you use too, knowing how to define it and if your customers actually know what that is. Uh, all of those things kind of go into more of the you know vocabulary um, aspect of the actual words that you are using, which is important. And then you know thinking about uh, the vocab, then you can kind of move on and think about your tone, right? So if somebody has a really warm, inviting tone, uh, they're gonna be very different um, in the ways that they communicate with their audience than somebody who wants to really be seen as like polished, professional, and that true expert. Um, communication styles are totally different as well as, you know, we see a lot of people too um, are, are really trying to cultivate these brands that have more of that witty, uh, sometimes sarcastic and charismatic voice as well. So those are just a few different examples, but even if they have maybe similar vocabs, the tone is going to make whatever they do completely different. So uh, kind of in wrapping it up too, I think the area that people don't spend enough time on, um, you know, sometimes they'll put the words together and then they'll kind of know their tone, but they won't spend enough time thinking about their style and formatting. And so this just really helps with consistency overall, especially if you have multiple employees. And when we think about style, we can think about, you know, how many different lines do you normally even have in a paragraph when you are writing in copy? Are there certain words that you always bold or italic? Italicize. Um, I know I've had certain clients where they really don't like the ampersand sign for and, like they only want to use a plus sign. So there's little things like that that really do end 
end up making your brand voice and making it consistent across all platforms. So that's just a little brief overview of some of the things that can go into brand voice so you can grasp it a little bit more. So when you work with a, say a company or somebody hires you, is that something that you typically will want to have or develop if you're working with them? And, and if, if that's the case, like, do you have a process you go through to say, these are the things we're going to tackle in this order? Or, or how, how, how do you navigate that territory? What would you recommend somebody do when they're kind of developing that, that brand voice? Absolutely. So I always recommend to people, especially if you are DIYing your copywriting right now, and that's still a great place to be as well. Um, but if you're kind of in that space, I think it's really great to look at your brand voice and do all of the, this discovery before you start writing any copy, um, whether that's you know for your emails or whether it's for your website, um, anything. Just because I think the brand voice is going to help you feel like you're more confident and it's going to activate you a little bit more once you actually start to write. Because I know a lot of people feel like... Um, some of their biggest fears are around starting with a blank page. And I think being able to know what your voice is ahead of time is going to help to kind of alleviate some of those fears because you're going to know, you know, who your audience is, what kind of words they like to hear. Um, and you're just going to know a little bit more about your brand personality. So I think it's great to do it beforehand. And as far as my process goes, um, I, I definitely practice what I preach. I always make sure that we do some um, at least basic brand voice development before we launch into any project, just because I know that that's going to help us get um, on, on the same level. Uh, where do you think a lot of people will say screw up? or fail or make mistakes like and and just like the things that kind of stand out to you like you see it again and again i feel like there's almost in any space you go into you'll find like kind of consistent things that people generally do wrong and that's usually a simple place for people to start is like avoid this one or two or three things is there anything like that that comes to mind when it comes to copywriting and just kind of or whether it's brand voice copywriting related um, anything when it comes to content or production of content Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And right as you were saying that, there is one specific thing that came to mind right away, uh, which is definitely that a lot of people have the most struggle with writing their about page. And uh, usually the reason why that is, is because they feel like the about page should be all about them. So then they start thinking, oh my gosh, I just have such a hard time writing about myself. But really your about page is more about your audience than it is about you. And anything you write about you should always you know, go back to how that's relevant to your audience. So I would say definitely number one thing um, that I hear about as well as that I see as a copywriter is that a lot of people will start their about page by talking all about themselves. And really what we really uh, recommend as copywriters is to first start by letting your audience know that they're in the right place um, and really writing some copy directly to them and transitioning them into uh, more about either your company or even if you are a freelancer or solo entrepreneur talking a little bit more about you, but making sure all of those details uh, beyond just your pr professional experience and those sorts of things are always going to go back um, to to that intro and make sure that the copy all uh, flows together really well. Do you recommend anything when it comes to about pages specifically uh, in terms of like calls to action or where you want to, to lead people? Yeah, no, I super love this question. So I think it goes back to really just trying to understand first what your overall website strategy is. So I love what you said about knowing that, you know, your home and your about pages are your more most traffic pages most of the time. Um, so making sure that you're using those intentionally to get people to the actual pages you want them to go, even if they're not necessarily going to just find them on their 
own, I think is the best way to use your about page. So, uh, you know, I think it depends also on your business model. So for service-based business owners, a lot of times what we'll see is at the end of your about page, after you kind of, um, talk a little bit more to your audience, and then you give a little brief intro into who you are, then kind of transitioning them into finding whatever service page is going to work out best for them. So almost using it like a choose your own adventure kind of at the bottom for that pathway. So that works really well for service-based business owners. Uh, for people who are, uh, you know, product-based business owners, then that's a little bit different because either you would be linking to a specific kind of course, uh, one specific product, or you may end up having a shop of different things. So you can get a little bit more, uh, I guess, innovative with how you want to structure that. I know a lot of my experience is more so for people who are in the service-based industry, but, uh, you know, for some people as well, especially we see on, on the product-based side, people are just super obsessed with uh, building their email lists and rightfully so. I know that they could be incredibly powerful. So if your email list is really the absolute main strategy that you have, like you just want as many people to subscribe to your email list as possible so you can start getting in front of them on a consistent basis, then, you know, it maybe doesn't make sense to have them go to another page on your website. You just want to capture that lead through a uh, subscription form. So again, I don't necessarily think it has to be uh, just kind of like a black and white rule, but I do think it goes back to, you know, just making sure that it fits your overall strategy. Beautiful. So I know you do a lot of blogging. I know you said you've done some ghostwriting. So you've done a lot of content creation. Do you ever get into kind of the email marketing side of things? And, and when it comes to copywriting too, and your services, like kind of where do you draw the line? Because there's, tons of ways to produce content and deliver it. So I'm just curious how you kind of navigate that territory. No, I love that because I have been really specific about kind of staying in my zone of genius. And I think that can be a hard thing, especially when you're starting out, because you almost feel like you just want to take on as many projects as you can, especially if you feel like the people who are coming to you, you're actually really interested in working with them. But I know I have found that my, my areas of expertise definitely lie more so in, yeah, kind of the ongoing content creation, like you're talking about. So the blogging, um, the the weekly newsletters. Uh, and I also do a lot with email sequences, like you're talking about in email sales funnels and those sorts of things. Uh, but on the, on the copywriting side as well, I do a lot of website copywriting just because I probably geek out the most uh, with website strategy. So everything we were just talking about, like I had a huge smile on my face while we were talking through that whole thing because I absolutely love it. But there definitely are other areas of copywriting that I don't really touch. Um, one specifically that comes to mind is, you know, Facebook ads are huge right now. And I definitely see that, um, you know, having somebody who's really an expert specifically in that area can help so much. So it's not necessarily saying that I couldn't learn that, but it's more that I know that my energy is best in the areas where I'm really already trying to improve as much as I can. So I, I do think it is good, like you're talking about, to look for a copywriter who actually has expertise in the area that you want them to be in. Because while a lot of us can do a lot of different things, it doesn't necessarily mean that we all should be doing that. The question I had for you was when it comes to your services, how do you balance between doing the work and the marketing and sales aspect of things? I feel like that's actually a place where a lot of people get tied up. Absolutely. Yeah. In my first year of business, I was just like that too, where I was working like 80 plus hour weeks. And at the agency, I was working that as well. So it didn't necessarily seem like it was that crazy. Uh, but I realized yeah, really quickly that my mental health started kind of going down. I didn't feel like I was that 
well-rounded of a person anymore um, and just realized that that's not why I went into business. So I I actually restructured my entire business model at that point. Um, so in my second year, I kind of went in with a new business model, um, kind of some some hopeful confidence that this would work out. And luckily I haven't had to touch it since then. It's been working really well for me. And it does make sure that, you know, I know that I only have a certain amount of energy for writing each day. And so I'm very cognizant of that. But like you're talking about, it's difficult when you not only are thinking about writing for your clients, but also writing for yourself or whatever that looks like for your specific trade. So for me, I will be completely transparent and say that it's a balance that I'm still trying to figure out because in um, in my second year, um, which was last year, it was difficult because I, at that point, was just really focused on client work. So I put 100% of my energy into that. But kind of going into this year, I realized that in order for me to be able to sustain everything, um, and also just for me to feel like I have some added fulfillment in what I do, I really want to write for me too. Because the reason why I kind of got into this as well is because I love it, you know? Um, so I realized that if I don't keep that joy for myself, it's going to be really hard for me to also have that same joy for clients. So uh, I, I will say I'm kind of in the middle of that balancing act right now. But so far, what I've been realizing is kind of blocking off specific days um, for client work and then maybe, you know, a day at the end of the week for some of uh, my own work or wrapping up um, other kinds of calls and projects and different things that can just really help me to have something actually set on the schedule that I'm not going to move. <laughs> Yep, I found that the calendar can be such a great ally, and it doesn't have to be like an imprisonment or 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 slave slave driver. But if you if you work with it, the calendar actually can create a lot of freedom in your life. Totally, yeah. And you know, I think it also has to be balanced with some grace. Like I constantly have to give myself grace because there are certain things and you know certain projects that I have that I would love to have started. You know, at the beginning of 2018, and because of different things, um, you know, in my calendar that I was really excited about too. It just wasn't able to be something that I that I could take on at that point. But I think, uh, yeah, just reflecting on everything that you are able to work on and being really excited about that, I think it just fuels you to keep making room as you get more and more efficient at your work for the things that you really want to be doing too. Have you ever come up against a point either personally or even maybe with clients or anybody else that maybe peers or friends where they, they have come up to a point of like burnout? where it's like nothing seems appealing. Like maybe they did start out really excited uh, and maybe they even had that for, for years, but hit a point of burnout. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely hit that point, like in, in a big way in my, uh, at the end of my first year of business. And that's kind of what made me restructure my business was because I really was looking at myself and just felt like, wow, like I am not the person I want to be for my family, for my friends, for the people that really matter in my life. Um, I just felt like so much of my identity was wrapped into my work. And because, um, you know, I was working so many hours, I just knew that wasn't sustainable. Right. Um, and so of course, in business, uh, fast growth is really sexy, but what's even better is the sustainability. So when I reached that burnout point, I actually took three months of reflection where I was working on a few projects here and there, but I wasn't actually taking on any extra projects and just 
really gave myself three months to not have anything figured out, um, which sounds really kind of crazy, but I felt like I almost needed um, that, I guess, like that step back for me to actually take a few steps forward because I really needed to sort out, hey, what is it that I'm strong in? What is it that I love doing most? Not just what can I do? What like do I really want to be doing? And so it was almost kind of, yeah, just rediscovering that passion again. So I would say for anybody who has burnt out, like you know, it's definitely not the end. And the interesting thing is that of course, during that time, I kind of was feeling like, oh my gosh, was this sacrifice of taking the leap? Was it all for not? Or it, you know, is business not something that I'm supposed to be doing because I am so creative and all of those things. But after taking that time, I really realized, no, it was just that business model that really was not working for me. So once I restructured it, I mean, this spot business model, works insanely well for me in in the way where it's almost a pinch me kind of thing. But I couldn't have gotten here if I kind of didn't, you know, go through some of that reflection. So I would definitely say try not to get to that point uh, because it is difficult to kind of, um, I guess, dig your way out. But even if you do, don't feel like um, you're never going to be passionate about anything again, or even that you're not going to be passionate about what you're doing right now again. It just might be that it needs to look a little bit different. Give me an idea of like kind of the questions you asked and where you found opportunities and and how that shaped you said kind of your new business model that you that is that's you know that's pinch worthy so to speak like i'm curious how you did that yeah so i did a ton of journaling so that for me is kind of my reflection format of choice uh so i have so many journals filled up at that time and i will say i look back at them regularly as well because anytime i see myself kind of getting back into almost like some of those we'll say warning flags um it's really interesting to be able to look back at some of those things that i was noticing at that time and to be able to say oh okay this is the way that maybe i can kind of go around it. So when I was in that stage, journaling, reflecting, trying to figure things out, I actually looked more so, at least at first, at um, really looking back to my childhood and trying to figure out like, and kind of asking my parents, family members, even friends that I've known for a long time, um, you know, what are the skills that you have seen in me uh, for a long time? And I was kind of open to anything at that point. Uh, So it was interesting that so many of the pivotal moments in my childhood, there were so many of them that were wrapped around writing. And so I was trying to figure out, okay, then if I know that, why is it that writing wasn't necessarily the thing that I totally pursued? It was always wrapped up in, oh, it's a part of what you do in PR or social media, but it's not the thing. And then, you know, I was able to trace back and figure out that there was an experience um, that I had with a elementary school teacher that I didn't even realize at the time that was just kind of hiding within me. But it was an elementary school teacher who told me that you could never make money writing. And I think a lot of people, especially creatives, hear that about their gifts at some point in their life of like, yeah, that's a really cool skill, but you're never going to make a living out of it. So being able to trace back and look at that, then it kind of helped me go forward into, okay, how am I seeing that that has kind of been adopted into my mindset and thinking? So again, I could probably go even deeper into this, but to kind of wrap it up, I think it's really great to look at like what it is within yourself that's not necessarily working before you put the lens into figuring out, you know, what exactly in your business isn't working anymore. Because once I was able to do that internal work, all of the business stuff just came together so easily. (laughs) That's awesome. That's what a great reflection. So for you, it was a matter of 
kind of actually looking internal first before external. And so, and then kind of going, maybe going back and forth between that. It's like, so was it something along the lines of like, kind of where am I not showing up or where am I slacking, but also like those kind of things? Like, is that kind of how you, you looked internally? I'm just curious, like how yeah, you, you developed yeah. this show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've always been a very introspective person. So going into those depths um, was actually something that I was uh, pretty excited to be able to get some time to do. But I think um, what's so great too is I was able to start uh you know, taking all of those findings and different um, enlightenments that I had along the way and then being able to kind of put them next to how it has changed my personality or my character and all of those things over time. And so I was able to see even kind of looking at uh, my business model at the time, you know, I had built it in a way where I was constantly having to acquire uh, clients. I had no stability, really um, no security. Uh, and so I was just kind of like putting myself in a hamster wheel and I realized, you know, a lot of my values have a lot more to do with um, kind of like flexibility. Yes, but security as well because of the way that I grew up. And so, yeah, when you just keep looking at some of those different aspects and you are able to figure out how do you make your business um, fit into whatever kind of that lifestyle or whatever you want it to look like rather than what I was trying to do, which was cramming my business into my lifestyle and hoping that it would just work itself out. Um, I was able to find, yeah, okay, this is a way for me to restructure my business model so that it fuels my work rather than making me work constantly. <laughs> this is really fantastic, actually. And I didn't actually think we were going to go this direction, but I've just, <laughs> yeah. it's maybe where, it's where my mind is at too. So, um, you know, I, 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 it's funny cause like just, just today I wrote a newsletter and it was, uh, related to a, a few of these kind of internal things, these ideas that are kind of pernicious and you realize it's like, yes, there's truth to it, but there's also, it's also not true. Or there's also other truths that maybe depending on how you approach the subject, maybe how you do it matters more than just the general thing. Like there's are, are actually lots of ways to make money writing, you know? And it's, I, cause I remember somebody asked me, um, and this is what I was writing about in my newsletter today was, you know, what makes you the expert? When I was saying, oh yeah, I kind of teach online. And it was, I was actually talking to a teacher who was traveling too. And she had saved up for like years to go on this travel. And, and this isn't to brag, but it puts it in perspective. Like my wife and I, we were, had been traveling for like a year abroad. And we actually ended up doing two years abroad, just kind of traveling. Cause I was writing and blogging online and publishing and, you know, teaching and educating and kind of my own way. And it was lucrative enough that it was more than sustainable, which is a crazy thought. But for then the, the, the paradigm of the public school teacher, who's like, was it, you know, anointed by the district or whatever, it says you are a teacher and you have the degree. It's a total, it's a, it's a framework. It's like a framework bomb. It just, it blows up the paradigm what they're used to. And I guess when I, I think about that story, I think about how many of us are asking like that same question in our own heads. Like what makes you the expert was the question she asked me. And I was like, why, why aren't you? Yes. You know, it's, it's yeah. what's, what's stopping you, I guess is the question. Like why, why do you have to follow, you know, what other people are saying? And it's not just like, Hey, let's rebel. I don't see that as being valuable either, but it's like, Hey, if, if there's a way, if this is something you want, Maybe the question you should be asking isn't isn't the questions that diminish you and make you weaker, but maybe the questions you should be asking are um, way uh, questions that help you solve the puzzle. In what way could I do this that would get me to that point? What would that take? What would what would be the sacrifices necessary? Are there ways to make be more efficient, to be faster, to be better? Could I do it more easily? And it's like when you start asking better questions, you'll get better answers. And and I I can just say like kind of listening to what you're you're talking about is really I guess that's why I got really kind of pulled into it. 
you know, you can get exhausted by these things if you've been in the grind for too long. So take a step back, do some internal evaluation, depending on where you are, where you are. But if you're somebody who's like on the cusp of doing something, but you're too afraid to jump in, it's like, you probably, you probably need to take a step back too. And just eva- and actually just pay attention to the questions you're asking yourself. I think those are the things that can kind of, kind of crush a person before they even begin. Yeah, absolutely. And I think being, Okay. And, and really kind of just telling yourself to embrace whatever that answer is. Um, cause you know, when I, when I found that that was kind of one of the, the linchpin things at that point that kind of just had me believe this idea that my, my most inherent skill, I'll never be able to do anything with it is basically what I heard as a kid. And then everything was reinforced with that through my very traditional upbringing and different things. Um, to where, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying about, it's not necessarily rebelling. It's just more, uh, redefining what work looks like for you. And for me, that's, that's, kind of one of my biggest messages and one of the reasons why I do so many kind of just pro bono speaking things at colleges is because I want to be able to get in front of young kids and tell them like what people tell you work should look like or what you can't make money at like there's always a way around it there's always something that you can do with it so I absolutely love that you said that too because even though other people may look at you and um, may have a hard time even understanding what you do as a career Uh, You just got to keep believing in what you're doing and then just backing it up with, yeah, all of that internal processing because that that's the hardest work, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, doing the work is hard, too, for sure. But it's actually, you know, I think depending on what you're doing, especially if you're you're generally good at it or talented and you're always looking to improve and develop that skill set, like there's a certain amount of like, uh, we'll say, you know, enjoyment, I think that can come from actually doing the work. But I think it's it is these like psychological internal games that just it makes no sense, you know, in terms of like rationality, but of course we're not really, uh, quite rational beings. Completely. <laughs> so it is like this kind of, I feel like there is always like this kind of internal conflict. So it's, it's always worthwhile to hear this. And I think it's something that I, like you said, when you're going to these colleges and talking to students and, and, and sharing some of that wisdom, it's like, how, how useful is that? It's so useful. It's so powerful because we need to be reminded of it. And it's, I think, was it, uh, was it a Zig Ziglar quote or somebody else who was like, it's like motivation is like, it's like bathing, you know, you have to, you have to do it every day kind of thing. And it's like, it's not, you do it once and you're good to go. (laughs) So you have to look for the sources of inspiration and motivation, the things that keep you, keep you going too. And so I think hearing from people like you is always, it's, it's so useful. I love this conversation because I think so many times we, we talk about burnout, like it's this almost like hard concept. Um, we don't really know if that means you're just like stressed out or, you know, like what that spectrum is, but I do think talking about what it looks like and not only that, but like how to get yourself out of that. Cause it absolutely is possible. Um, you just might need to make a few tweaks along the way. I think it just helps people feel like, okay, this is not, you know, the end of this road and I have to shift to something else. It's more, Oh, this is an exciting opportunity for me to be able to lean in and figure out, Oh, what does work like, what does work um, look like for me and what should it look like for me because of my personality and my characters and my value and, and all of those things. I love it. Well, Kayla, I think what a great note to close on here. It's a great idea. I think it's, it's so useful and I encourage people to really think about that. What should work look like for you? So with that said, where can people reach out to find you, connect with you, um, possibly hire you for copywriting or just learn more about you? Absolutely. So I'm pretty easy to find. Um, my website is just my name. So kaylahollitz.com. And then I basically live on Twitter and Instagram when I'm not writing. Uh, so you can just find me over there at Kayla Hollitz. <laughs> Kayla, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. Thank you so much for having me, Tom.
And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please do me a favor and go to tomworkus.com slash iTunes. That's T-O-M-M-O-R-K-E-S dot com slash iTunes and leave a rating and review for In the Trenches. Not only do I read and appreciate every review, but it helps spread the word of this podcast and allows me to continue to get on great guests. So thank you for your support and I'll catch you on the next broadcast of In the Trenches.